Wives, be subordinate to their husbands. Many cringe as this affects many of our modern sensibilities. We have a picture in our mind of a domineering, ruthless tyrant and the demand to go along with it, which is utterly false. Many say that this is outdated and a product of St. Paul's time. But this is also false. We have to remember that Scripture is inspired and it's meant for all time. So there's something from this reading, even these words, that offend so often our modern sensibilities. There's something for us to glean from this. So how do we understand this? Beginning with St. John Paul II, he writes, Above all, it is important to underline the equal dignity and responsibility of women with men. So that's the first point. Equal dignity and responsibility of women and men. Secondly, Pope Pius XI taught that what this subordination entailed was that it refuses, this subordination refuses in the body which we call the family to allow the heart to be separated from the head with great detriment to the body itself and even disaster. If the husband is the head of the domestic body, then the wife is its heart. And as the first holds the primacy of authority, so the second can can and ought to claim the primacy of love. So these are the words of some of our popes in order to help interpret these scriptures. But further, have you listened to what the husbands are called to do? In this reading, wives are subordinate to their husbands, but listen closely, husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her. If the wives are invited to unity with their husbands out of love, husbands are asked nothing less than the sacrificial love that led Christ to die on the cross for his beloved bride. So I put to you, who has the more demanding task in that? Well, again, the answer is both, right? Both of us get the cross. Both of us get that self-sacrificing love. In addition, John Paul II says it's through this second passage of husbands loving their wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her Through this passage, St. Paul takes away any fear that could have been created by the earlier statement of wives be subordinate to your husbands. We are not here talking about a domineering tyrant. The two statements coupled together deliberately have one light to shed on the other. The two combined without the other would be meaningless. Both statements require the other to fully understand what they mean. Now, finally, in our American culture, if we still have repugnance to some of these statements, some of these words, remember that what we're asked to do is nothing other than imitate Christ. In Philippians, St. Paul states, in humility, count others better than yourselves Having the same mind of Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not deem equality with God something to be grasped, 
but rather emptied himself and took the form of a slave being born in the likeness of men. He was obedient even unto death, death on a cross. So what wives and husbands are asked to do in subordination and loving unto death is the same thing Christ already did, not merely permitting it, but seeking it out. So are we afraid to do the very thing Christ was willing to do? Is love and humility beneath us, even though it was not beneath Christ? The world asks us to see marriage as something far less than it is. Oftentimes, we're asked to see marriage as an assemblage of acts and sins against the sixth and ninth commandment. But is that actually true love? Is that satisfying to the human heart? We have record levels in our world, the same philosophical predispositions that lead us to question whether marriage is simply just acts against the sixth and ninth commandment. That same line of thinking has led to record levels of anxiety, depression, drug usage, and suicide. So we begin to ask the question, is this line of thinking that the world is putting forward in how we should see the world, how we should see marriage, how we should see God, how we should see human nature, is it really productive? Is it actually satisfying the human heart? And this task, this question, we have to answer this question because the world is asking this question and we have to give an answer. And if the world is lacking in its construction of what is good and what is meaningful, then we have to be able to give something as an alternative. We cannot permit something that is less than the call of man's fulfillment be put in place of our destiny. We need to really get at what brings man to fulfillment, what brings man to lay down his life for another. Everyone who is married knows that it is difficult. It is meant to sanctify us. Nothing makes us holy that does not participate in the cross in some way. In fact, many of you who are married, you might have experienced various feelings of sleep deprivation and work and tedious tasks that lead you in the middle of the night or in the early morning to wake up and say, this vocation is killing me. Well, there's something good about that because Christ's vocation, it killed him too. There's something about the love of Christ on the cross that we're asked to participate in, especially through marriage, husbands and wives. But you also know the joys of marriage. You see how your sacrifice makes the other grow and flourish as this best in you serves the best in somebody else. It's seeing in your child the favorite features in their face that you love in your spouse and begin to understand what the two become one flesh truly means. Seeing yourself and your family increase in love and maturity through both the joys and the sorrows. That is the true nature of marriage. For all who wish to maintain that marriage is merely acts against the sixth and the ninth commandment and call that love, 
I invite them to see where true love is presented on the cross as Christ poured his very life out for us and I invite them to try to do better.